Hello, I'm Lloyd, and this is Cass Breaking Down the Facts, which follows yesterday's publishing of the full Cass judgment, which we've all been waiting for. And as ever, I'm delighted to be joined by Stefan as we basically take a first hash and first look through the judgment. Um, it's been less than 24 hours since it's been published, so go easy on us. Um, but yes, morning, Stefan. How are you? Yeah, good. How are you doing? Yeah, not bad. Um, we've both been scrabbling around a bit, haven't we? Yeah, yeah. It's not uh, amazing how many uh, non-legal professionals are able to digest a 93-page judgment, um, not not just digest it, but also draw conclusions, fact-check, speak to specialists, all, all in time for uh, their uh, pieces for the morning press. Mm. I mean, that's some... It's pretty impressive stuff. It is I mean, impressive. We really do. We do underestimate the quality of people out there writing about football. Oh yeah, the quality of football journalism has really shone through. I think on this uh, on this case. Um, okay, so we, as I said at the beginning, we are. Um, it's been less than twenty four hours. We've both obviously got day jobs, so we are going to do our best to go through it. Kind of look at exactly. Recap on some of the issues, um, look at what Cass has found, kind of go a, a little step by step. And we would recommend, if possible, you, you have the document open next to you so you can kind of see which paragraphs that we're referring to, because I think that would that'll make a lot of sense. Um, okay, so to start off, Stefan, when it was released yesterday, um, mid-afternoon, kind of 3pm, when you had the first chance to kind of have a quick look through it, I know you're on a run, um, initially, what were your what were your kind of very first thoughts? Um, I think that the, the key thing is that uh, not that it was ever going to be, but it's not a total exoneration. I mean, so any hopes that people had that um, that it might have been uh, sort of very very uh, powerfully in favour of the club on all aspects, um, I think. I think that's misplaced. I don't. I don't see it as an exoneration. Mm. Um, uh, I, I, and and to be honest, nor do I see it as something that is overly and unfairly critical of UEFA uh, either. Um, I think it's actually broadly in line with my expectations of cast judgments, which is from the research that I've done, um, largely on you know for City as opposed to anything professionally. Uh, they seem like a, 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 a reasonable arbitration service that come up with judgments that uh, are you know relatively well structured and, and make sense mm-hmm. now I don't I don't necessarily agree with all of the conclusions um, necessarily obviously we haven't seen all the evidence but we have got a lot of indications of what that looked like um, but I think it's reasonably well uh, reasoned Um and I think it, it feels quite fair um, across both parties. Mm. Um, and we'll, we'll go into a bit more depth on that. But these are very, very early uh, views. You know, the, the idea that you can process a document of this length and complexity extremely quickly is obviously not It's not possible um, unless you wanted to create a certain... Um, narrative. A certain viewpoint. Yeah, and a narrative. That's right. I think the other thing I, I I picked up on is there's some we will come on to cover this. There's there's some interesting language as well that I think they've used throughout. Um, 
particularly particularly when we're looking at the um the kind of the nub of the actual case which is around the disguised equity funding um but like i said we'll come on to that um okay so- yeah well i mean you know you, you, my, my my highlights the, the one thing that i did have time for last night was to uh, the word collate. yeah so, so uh, I mean, it's interesting in itself that they didn't put a proper PDF on the on the CAS website and put this annoying scan on there, which means that you have to convert you can't it. word search it. Mm. Yeah, I mean, they have they have put the full word searchable one of almost every other judgment I've ever seen. So, it seems to me to be a little bit suspicious that they decided to put a uh, an unsearchable PDF up, but. Um, Let's not read too much into it, but uh, you know the the use of no evidence twelve times in respect of city alone is significant. Um, you know they, they they don't hold back, and then and then if you look at the other types of language around things being not warranted, not established, absence of any evidence, etc. I mean these are uh, these are important um, signals from from CAS. Um, Likewise, in respect of some of the things that they weren't necessarily wholly convinced about the other way. Um, and we'll point out some of those as we go through it. Just on the no evidence stuff, actually, why? So I think people will have seen you've had a bit of an exchange with Nick Harris, who's sporting Intel on Twitter. Why do you think, why doesn't he grasp, why, why, is, why do you not think he grasped what you were trying to get across? Any idea? <laughs> uh, well, 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 I mean, I, I do think he grasps. I think I think on I think on reflection, uh, he would grasp the point. I mean, you know, it's very silly to it's very silly to tweet about no evidence and then find that actually exactly that phrase is used twelve times. Now, I I didn't do my no evidence research on the back of his tweet. I hadn't seen his tweet when I'd done this already. Um, you know, but you, the point is dead. I mean, you know, it does say no evidence and it does say it in multiple places. Um, so the point that he was making about, oh, it's a bit um, weakly worded in respect of some of the other phrases that it uses is just not right. Um, what I think the problem um, that most of these guys have got, uh, they wouldn't agree with this, of course, but, but I think the problem that they've got is that football bias is very deep-seated. I've mentioned this before, and I strongly believe it, and I believe it even in respect of uh, potentially even in respect of arbitration services and lawyers um, who are, who are actually um, within these organisations, possibly even within UEFA, uh, and it means that they are looking for a narrative, and no matter how hard uh, they they look to try and or try and be impartial, it's very very difficult. Now I'm not saying that I am any better than than that. You know, clearly I am also um, deeply biased from being indoctrinated with with city since you know day dot six six seven years old you know that that is a very deeply held belief and therefore i will have a will have a bias i think the disappointing thing is that what what has happened is that they've jumped on things that are not that interesting yeah not that incriminating or uh or really at the nub of um of, of of the issue um and therefore, when you actually want to go back on some of this stuff, it's easy to do. And this is a, this no evidence point is a is a case in point. Yeah, and I think the David Con uh, thrust is that, but we will come on to that later. But they, yeah, the David Con thing is I think is slightly different in that 
Uh, I think that's as much about political bias in terms of his left-wing outlook on the world um, that clouds everything, you know, because he is a he is a former City fan, and I think it is fair to say a former City fan. I mean, that, yeah, you know, definitely his, not current. <laughs> he, it's very there's it's just it's just too one-sided his reporting of the situation, even even with his with his political views. Mm. Yeah, well, we will come on to that. Um, so, just to recap, then, what exactly were City charged with? So, this is where you get some of the really graphic, um, some of the really graphic language, and uh, I think it, it's a very important place um, to start in terms of understanding this case, and it's something that we've talked about all the way through. Mm-hmm. This was a case where. Um, UEFA set the bar very, very high. Now, if you do that as UEFA, you know that you you to win, you you are going to be put under some real rigor, and and that's the way it should be because any organisation uh, or person that goes around making the sorts of statements that they made about the uh, businesses and individuals involved within the club are bound to have to be forced to to, to prove those points to to a high standard. Um, and when I say those, those sorts of allegations, we're talking about words such as disguise, concealment, falsehoods, um, dishonesty, fraudulent, fraudulent. Um, and misleading contracts, um, overstating the truth. Um, all of these words, they're all in there, okay? Not fair now, value as well. Well, not, I think not fair value has connotations in terms of, of the, the rules themselves. Mm. It's not necessarily a, a question on somebody's uh, integrity. But, but a lot of these other things are about integrity and, and are actually beyond even integrity in that... They are criminal offences. Now, if you go around making those sorts of allegations, you need to be able to stand them up uh, in whatever court or arbitration that you're put through. And fundamentally, they were unable to do so. Now, to, to look at how to what, what, what these look like, you go to paragraph 29 onwards, uh, where it summarises the findings of the adjudicatory chamber. Now, I won't read them all out, right? because people can read themselves. But they're all set out there. But in essence, it says, in relation to Etty Salat sponsorship payments, that the leaked emails in Deshbegel proved to, to, to a standard of being comfortably satisfied, which was the, the standard that the adjudicatory chamber said was the correct standard. Not proved. reasonable doubt, yeah. Not reasonable doubt. We'll come on to that that point um, shortly because the reasonable doubt is is a uh, a gloss that City uh, tried to apply to the standard, uh, but Cass said uh, they disagreed with. So, so the adjudicatory chamber felt that the leaked emails proved that the audited financial statements. We've talked about that before. So, City's audited third party audit statements that was submitted, interestingly, to the FA here and not to UEFA in their allegation. So 
I'm now reading from page nine and ten, uh, almost to the bottom of the page, uh, bullet point four. Yeah. The audited financial statements submitted to FA to the FA overstated City's true sponsorship revenue by including dot 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 the full liabilities purportedly due under the Etisalat 1A and, and Etisalat 2. Now those are the two contracts. Etisalat 1 is a heads of terms, but but a binding heads of terms. Yeah. And Etisalat 2 is the actual agreement. It's the long form, isn't it? Yeah. For for the years ended uh, 2012 and 2013. Now just, just let's be clear what's being said here. They're saying City effectively filed false accounts, that their audit was false. So the, so the audited numbers that they filed with Companies House were also false. It's a criminal offence in the UK. And they also submitted them not just to UEFA, but also to the FA. And this is a pointer here, which if it had been found against us, would likely have led to very severe sanction from the FA and that it overstated the truth. Okay? So it can be no doubt what they're suggesting here. It's about truth, disguise, falsehood. Very, very serious. Similarly, on Etihad. Again, I'm not going to read it all, but um, simple terms... Number five on page 10, the audited annual financial statement submitted to the FA overstated true sponsorship revenue, i.e. they were false, by including blah, 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 and then they go on over, over a number of years um, to say that they were false. It goes on, there's more. Similar sorts of language, similar sorts of claims about things being untrue and false. Duty to cooperate. Large amount of detail given on the duty to cooperate and how uh, effectively um, yeah, page 11. City, City's approach was, was inappropriate. So it's all set out there. I mean, it's all worth reading. Um, I think the language is stronger than I've seen in any other UEFA financial fair play uh, claim uh, or appeal. Um, it is... Um, it is right uh, under any basis, whether you're a city fan or not a city fan, and you know anybody impartial really should appreciate this and and accept it. That if you go around making allegations of the type that UEFA made against the club, and by by uh, by relationship the individuals, that the standard of proof should be necessarily high. Yeah. Definitely. Um, okay, so should we get on to talking about um, the reasonable doubt and how that's dealt with in here? Well, in a nutshell, there was. So if you go to. Putting me on the spot. If you go to the section um, that talks about. Um, uh, you, 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 within the document, you've got a lot of what, what City believe um, is, is the, the right way of approaching it. And. Um, so the right so sorry it's page 56 it was page 56 I should have gone straight to it okay Um, sad knowledge of page numbers of of a document like this right so uh, it's covered what is the uh, applicable standard of proof Uh, we jumped in right into some of the the nub of some of the deliberations of of, uh, CAS Um, 
So this reinforces the point that I've just banged on about for the last five minutes, which is um, the seriousness of the allegations um, and uh, and the fact that there is no doubt that the burden of proof, i.e. who must prove the case, sits with UEFA. Yeah. So it is not for City to prove that they didn't do something. It is for UEFA to prove that they did and that they committed the breaches for which it is charged. It's also common ground between the parties that the standard of proof was that of comfortable satisfaction. However, what was not common ground was what that meant and what comfortable satisfaction meant in the context of such serious allegations. City argued that the more serious the allegation, the more cogent the supporting evidence must be, and that must be true. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that, that is what Cass agreed. City though, went further and said that because the, the um, allegations were so serious, the weight of evidence to discharge the standard of proof is especially high. And we're reading here from paragraph 201 on page 56. Effectively, beyond reasonable doubt. So people will recognise beyond reasonable doubt to be uh, a concept in criminal law, uh, which effectively um, is, is the highest burden of proof that you can have. A standard of proof that you can have um, uh, and is to be contrasted with a more commercial um, uh, approach taken often, which is on a balance of probabilities. Um, obviously, balance of probabilities is effectively above 50%. Uh, beyond reasonable doubt is effectively what it says. Uh, very little room for uh, a, a reasonable person looking at this to doubt that, that the, the threshold has been passed. Now, UEFA say that we don't uh, believe that it goes that far, uh, but did accept the, uh, the, the, that the evidence supporting, so if you then move to, to paragraph 2.208, the panel adheres to the reasoning, and then it refers to a previous case, not sure which case that is, haven't checked, um, that considering the particularly severe nature of the allegations in the present proceedings, the evidence supporting such allegation must be particularly cogent. Yeah. Now, so I think that's perfectly reasonable. What they're saying is we don't accept City's argument that it's got to be beyond reasonable doubt, notwithstanding the fact that these are very serious allegations. But it must be true that the alleg- the evidence supporting the allegations must be particularly cogent. And by that, um, I think they mean um, must be pretty precise in terms of uh, in terms of the way that, that that they are particularized, explained, and and what that evidence demonstrates. Now, there is further uh, detail in respect of uh, this type of, um, of, of analysis, uh, where later on they talk about the need to, to deal with the complete act. And by that, they mean um, all, of the, uh, all of the elements joined up. So what UEFA effectively tried to say was here's six emails, or maybe seven, I, I think a couple of them are combined, Here's six emails. They say in that email that they contemplate doing X and Y. Therefore, they did X and Y. Therefore, they are guilty. In essence, what Cass said, and I, you know, I think it's perfectly reasonable for them to to argue this, um, and and I think it must be right. Uh, although I would say that Cass Cass's view was no. Hang on a second here. It's not just as simple as that. What, what you need to show is what they call a completed act. So if you go to paragraph 215, 
which is below the emails. The majority of the panel does not agree with the adjudicatory chamber's statement that in the absence of any evidence produced by the club, the emails are direct evidence that the arrangements were made and implemented. Yeah. And what Cass says is that's wrong. Cass say it has been charged with erroneous reporting of financial information. The only way you get to that is through a completed act. Accordingly, it is for UEFA to prove that the arrangements discussed, and really they could say contemplated there without the completed act, they say discussed in the leaked emails, were as they appear to be and were indeed executed. Now UEFA were not able to do that. So they goes on. The majority of the panel finds that the leaked emails by themselves are not sufficient evidence to support that finding. The arrangements must be rooted in contemporaneous accounting or transactional evidence. Now, if you recall, when we've talked about this before, we've always focused in on the primacy of the audited accounts and the importance of the actual legal documents between the parties. And this is something that, that, that Cass keep coming back to, and it's a theme that City started with in the first place, even in some of the earliest comments where they refer to the fact that the uh, agreements were binding, that they existed between the parties, uh, and that the accounts had been audited by third parties under under the necessary uh, accounting principles. And this is, in essence, what, what CAS are agreeing with City on, that the leaked emails on themselves, by themselves, do not amount to evidence of a completed act. And that must be right. You know, I... I think unless you're being particularly biased, it must be true that mere discussion of, 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 of an intention to do something cannot be seen as proof that you actually. Yeah. And to, I mean, to follow on from that, I think, I think you're right. The end of 2.15 there, um, the sentence starting accordingly is, is obviously really important. And I think the other thing that I really pulled away from kind of reading this and it's clear from what Cass have said is that UEFA really were only really relying on these leaked emails. They didn't have much else. Um, and obviously, you know, City have produced those emails, um, which is referenced at 83 and 84, which we'll, we'll come to. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's obviously clear, like you said, that they didn't have the audited accounts or, you know, the, the, the key documents that were needed to kind of prove these very high and serious um, allegations. Well, well, I, I think um, I think what must be true is that they did have um, they will have had the documents relating to these periods um, from for historically. Um, so, from the time that they investigated City back in 2014, they will have had a certain amount of documents. And actually, um, if you go, I can't remember which paragraph it is, but it's towards the end, and one of the uh, one of the points that um, Nick Harris got quite excited about, there is a um, there is a, a statement in three thirty paragraph three thirty. Uh, well, par- paragraph three twenty nine. Yeah, right towards the uh, end. And paragraph uh, and paragraph three thirty, where where he effectively says that. Um, if you look at the last sentence, be that as it may, and while the settlement agreement was concluded without any admission of liability, um, 
Some of the information that was now provided by MCFC to the CFCB in the 2019 investigation would have provided a more complete and accurate picture of two payments to MCFC in 2012 and 2013 that were before the CFCB when the settlement agreement was entered into. So what, I mean, if you're being uh, fair, uh, what that says is that City, uh, for whatever reason, uh, did not give some of the documents that they provided in 2019 related to matters in 2012 and 2013 to the CFCB back in 2014 when it was originally investigating it. Um, and, uh, you know, those sorts of discrepancies are the sorts of discrepancies that you would expect um, uh, an investigatory body to spot and to push quite hard. And indeed, uh, Cass said uh, in paragraph 330, accordingly, the panel considers that this context makes the already serious breach by City of the duty to cooperate more severe than it, than would otherwise be the case. Mm. So um, it had some of the information, uh, but what it didn't have is the information to prove that what was contemplated within the emails actually occurred. Yeah. Um, and therefore that it was different from that which appeared in the audited accounts. And and that's that's at the nub of this, you know, and, and really people will have to get their heads around that if they want to understand how these processes work. And it's not just an inspector city, it's a more general point. Yeah. Um, it is. If you are going to make accusations, you need to have proof. Yep, yeah, agreed. Um, okay, so just before we run through the issues that Cass were looking at, and we're going to do that very summarily because obviously, you know, it's a long document and there's a lot to say. I think one thing I'd just quickly like to draw your and the readers, uh, the listeners' attention to is just on, if we go to paragraph 83 and 84, I know this is something that um, both you and I picked out, you know, when we were kind of reading it initially because I do think this some really interesting stuff about there, mainly around um, the authenticity of the leaked emails. So do you want to talk to me about that? Well, well, let's, I mean, let's d- d- deal with it. This has been something that's been erroneously um, spoken about um, as being at the, the, the core of this whole case. And, and it's not true. Um, it, it was dealt with within this case as a preliminary issue. Uh, to be perfectly honest with you, I think City knew all the way along they were going to lose on this point. And um, uh, in essence, City tried to say that because the emails were leaked, um, that therefore they were inadmissible. inadmissible yeah. And that therefore, uh, effectively, the whole case collapses because in the absence of the leaked emails, there really is nothing at all. And therefore, uh, there is no case to answer. Um after some deliberation, and I, I actually don't think there was very much deliberation on the point. I might be wrong. Um, no, there's not much. I don't but know. but but the reality is that it was always likely that, given various uh, issues in hand, largely around the the clear public interest um, and being in, in the public in domain, this, I think is the other thing. And the fact that they're in on. the public domain anyway, um, all means that uh, and and and. Absolutely critically, the fact that ultimately City implicitly did not deny that they were actual, actually exactly. real. Yeah, they um, 
uh, both in uh, factual witnesses of Mr. Widdowson and Mr. Pierce. So if you look at paragraph 85, uh, it, it talks about that there. So I don't think City had good arguments on that point. Uh, I'm not surprised it was dismissed pretty quickly. Um, there is an interesting sub-point in respect of the way that one of the emails, or two of the emails, were presented uh, by Des Beagle. Um, City fans have, have, have jumped on it as being... Uh, a bit of an outrage that the email was doctored. Mm. Uh, I think, in my view, uh, and I did, I did post a side by side of what Der Spiegel had put on their on their website um, and in their document versus the actual that comes out of um, out of this document. I don't think it's a big deal. I mean, they could have uh, Der Spiegel could have made it clearer that. Um, that what they'd done in terms of joining two parts of the thread but ultimately uh, it's not a substantive issue um, and uh, I'm not surprised that, that in the end it had very little impact on the case uh, largely because uh, Cass said well we've seen the actual email so don't worry about it. Um, one other quick point on authenticity of leaked emails which um, which was referenced in paragraph 88 uh, and I think it is a relevant point. Again, I did tweet it. But, you know, you are talking here about, if you remember the noise around the Dash Beagle leaks and, and these six emails and one attachment, if you remember the noise, you have to be reminded on the flip side of it that that was the sum total of 5.5 uh, million documents that were hacked. And that is an extraordinary... Uh, it's an extraordinary number of documents. Uh, clearly, there's no possible way that each and every one of those documents could be evaluated by uh, the EIC, the the, um, the the group of investigators that work with Desh Beagle. Uh, but the way in which these things usually work is that they're put onto a onto a platform, a discovery platform, and they're interrogated for keywords and for links and for um, topics and for dates and for custodians and to pull out six as being really killer mm. if that was the the best six you have to ask whether that was really enough for for what came from this whole situation and i think that that lends some support to city's position on this whole thing which is that there was uh, some form of um, bad faith or agenda from those involved in the investigation. Yeah, I think that's an excellent point. Um, okay, so let's move on to talk, to kind of look at the actual issues um, that Cass have had to decide. So again, um, obviously only kind of doing it quickly and summarily because you know we've not we've not had heaps of time and it's there's it goes it goes through a lot and we've dealt with um, authenticity and, and admissibility already. So, yeah, so you look for this. The main issues are set out in um, in uh, paragraph 122, which is on page 43. Um, we may as well just touch on them quickly. So did, did UEFA breach its obligations of due process? If so, what are the consequences? Does the settlement agreement in 2014 and the release in 2017, which we've discussed before, uh, block UEFA from proceeding on this at all? 
if not, are the charges against City time barred and to what extent and to what consequence? Are they authentic and do they comprise admissible evidence? We've dealt with that one. Uh, what is the applicable standard of proof? We've dealt with that one as well. Uh, did City disguise equity funding? Effectively, did they do it? Uh, and on the second part, did they do it in, spe- in, in respect of the failure to cooperate? Uh, point seven. And then overall, if uh, a violation is uh, determined to be committed, uh, what is the appropriate sanction? And then you get into all of the proportionality aspects of it. So we'll try and run through it quickly. I mean, it, it's not, it's not. Uh, well, well, we'll see how it goes. Uh, um, we don't need to go over the old ground, though. Uh, we'll try. We'll, we'll we'll try not to. I mean, look. In a nutshell, as we've always said, um, City were very unlikely to succeed in respect of number one. Did did UEFA and the CFCB breach its obligations of due process? Notwithstanding the fact that the that CAS um, reaffirmed the findings of of CAS one in terms of the leaks. Um, and went actually a little bit further in saying that they didn't believe that it could be coincidental. Uh, it also concluded that because of the de novo nature, well, well, it said two things. One, no, UEFA didn't breach due process. Yeah. And two, even if it did, don't worry about it because of de novo um, review of the case. So we can put that one to bed uh, uh, pretty quickly. Agreed. So... Um, that takes us through to, uh, I think, is it number three? Where's number two? Uh, so, number two. So, uh, I've, I've given you the conclusion on number one. Yeah. Um, number number two. Does the conclusion of the settlement agreement 2014 um, and the release 2017? No, right. That's an interesting now, one, isn't it? I think it's interesting, uh, largely, uh, and I've got to try and, um, I've got to try and, hold back my uh, my bias I I'm not convinced by the reasoning of Cass in respect of this area in a nutshell as I read it what they're effectively saying is these were different matters um, and therefore uh, the fact that there was a settlement agreement and there's some interesting detail around the settlement agreement which if you're a real uh, geek bore on this stuff um it's worth a read. Um, but bottom line, um, we don't accept, we CAS, don't accept that the matters that UEFA um, were charging you with as a club are the same matters as the settlement agreement. And uh, City argued that they were the same thing, same period, therefore, and all covered by the release in 2017. Yeah. Um, now, they uh, UEFA say, and I'm just trying to find the relevant clause. Um, so 149. Yeah. Well, 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 I think we can jump to 159 just for, to, 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 to get to the get to the crunch here. Um, City's argument is that because of the settlement agreement and this and the uh, and the um, the ending of that settlement regime. It immunises it from issues in relation to the relevant period were closed and, and therefore must be dismissed. Um, now they found that um, Cass found that, as stated in the appeal decision, the release letter does not give rise to any reasonable or legitimate expectation that if evidence of other breaches of, of financial fair play were later discovered, they would not be investigated. Now. 
That's interesting, isn't it? Uh, I, I accept that they could arguably be deemed to be not the precise same um, matters that were, were, were an issue. And clearly that is the way in which, um, if you look at the way the case is put by UEFA, um, clearly they have sought to distinguish their explanation of the charges against City versus the settlement agreement. So in a nutshell, what UEFA were not saying was that the settlement agreement was invalid. So if you look at paragraph 152, it says UEFA does not charge Man City with a breach of the terms of the settlement on the basis of the procedural rules, nor does it seek to invalidate the settlement agreement. And therefore, this is UEFA's argument, City's arguments in respect of it do not have to be addressed. UEFA are saying the settlement agreement stands and remains binding. So what are you complaining about in respect to the settlement agreement? Look, the bottom line is Cass agreed with UEFA on this point. So we move on. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I don't, I think it, I think what that does is open the door for UEFA to effectively pretty much find a way to reopen any settlement agreement. Yeah. Subject to the time limitation periods and all that stuff. But you can always find a way to describe the matters that are covered by a settlement agreement as being different from the matters that you're opening a new investigation on. I can't believe that that was the intention of the parties when the settlement agreement was was stated. I mean, this is a settlement agreement. Well, otherwise, what's the point, right? Well, what's the point? And, and this is a settlement agreement that we know specifically related to Etihad, Etisalat, Adug, and all of it. You know, so... It's not like uh, the settlement agreement was about, you know, transfers. And under under which under which sponsorship city, agreements under which city took and accepted particular sanctions back in 2014 as well, wasn't it? I mean, we had the uh, yeah. what was the fine? 30, 40 million, something like that. Um, we had the san- Yeah, and we had the sanctions in the um, in the Champions League against player foreign player registration, etc. So. Yeah. And I think it did impact us, actually. I mean, I think, you know, uh, certainly impacted the way that we behaved in the transfer market. Uh, I'm sure lots of people would argue we still spent a fortune, blah, blah, blah. But, but you know, if I remember correctly, we did um, miss out on certain uh, players, uh, probably certain big players as well around that time. Um, I, I can't remember, it was the Hazard season, maybe. It was the Hazard season, um, yeah. Van Persie. Uh, you know, and you're talking there about a player that would have made a massive difference. Um, so I'm not saying we would have definitely signed it, but, but you know, these were real sanctions. And the settlement agreement was related to, I think, matters that were so closely aligned with this latest case that Cassie's argument is, I would say, is questionable. But... This this in itself raises a, a, an interesting point, which is, it's an arguable point. So I might disagree with Cass on, uh, on their conclusion. I might disagree with their reasoning, but I can read the reasoning and I can... Yeah, you can understand. I can see why they yeah, got yeah. to that point. You know, I can understand it. It's not such a ludicrous jump or there's no evidence that they came to that conclusion in an inappropriate way. Um I think ultimately, they just didn't agree with City, and they agree with the UEFA on the point. Yeah, yeah, and we, um, as we've discussed, we think that that's 
well, there's def- there's definitely there's definitely a counter argument, but as you say, this isn't like a it's not a completely cut and dry point. I, I do think there's there's a, there's bargain here for UEFA for Castafine in UEFA's favour. Um, okay, so let's move on to the next issue. So if we get back up to um, yeah, it's one sixty three. I mean, one, yeah, uh, page fifty one. Look, you know, this is a this was the big the big surprise that wasn't a surprise to. Well, it wasn't a surprise to me. It wasn't a surprise to anybody that listened or read any of the pieces on on ninety three twenty. Uh, limitation period was going to be in play uh, all the way along, and City told uh, UEFA and CAS that the limitation period in Article thirty seven was going to be in play in these proceedings um, at CAS one, and there could be no surprise that it was. So the idea that people a stunned, shocked, whatever, total <laughs> yeah. nonsense. This was something that was in play uh, very, very clearly well flagged up. Now, what's interesting about it is, and I'll try and keep it really short, Yeah. what's interesting is that both parties submitted slightly different dates yeah. in terms of dates. Funnily enough, Cass disagreed with both of the submissions and went for a third way. That third way was, interestingly, the pro- uh, the proposition the City had put at CAS 1. So City changed its position on the five-year limitation period uh, from CAS 1 to, to, to this CAS 2. Um, I'm not sure why. Maybe because they'd flagged up uh, which way they were going to play it and wanted to play it a slightly different way. Uh, but in essence... It seems to me, if I've read it correctly, and I'm pretty sure I have, that that uh, Cass chose to uh, go with what City had argued in the first place at Cass 1. What that in essence meant was that any alleged breach before the 7th of March 2014 were time-barred. And really, on that point, it was simple. Now, what does that mean? So there was then the question around, so and they got to that point by by some kind of analysis of when prosecution for the purpose of when does the period start, uh, 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 some analysis around that. So what does that mean once you've decided that, um, sorry, City went for 7th of March, they actually found 15th of May. Right, sorry, yeah, so it's but one, so, 174 of the... Um, of the judgment that they've said, <clears throat> Cass have said that. So, yeah, so that, City, had, City had wanted it 7th of March. Uh, City had originally at Cass 1 had said 15th of May. Uh, uh, and UEFA went for sometime in 2015, I think it was, uh, February 2015. So Cass said, no, we don't agree with February 2015. We actually don't agree with City March 2014. Yeah. We actually go with 15th of May 2014. Yeah, exactly. Then it says, well, what's the consequence of that? It then goes through a whole load of, of uh, bits and pieces. But the, the bottom line is, um, is in 182. The panel finds the alleged breaches related to the financial statements for the years ended May 2012 and 2013 are time barred. But the alleged breaches related to the financial statement for the year ended May 2014 are not. Okay. 
Um, and then furthermore, uh, the monitoring period of 2013, blah, 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 you can read it yourself. 182, bottom of page 53. It then considers some other... Uh, a nuance around it, which is to try and say, well, hang on a minute, can we extend the period of five years by saying that some of the information submitted in future years included the prior years, and therefore it, it in some way extends the five-year period to a longer period? Um, and effectively, they said no. They say no, yeah, so, 192, that is. So they therefore then said 197, just to conclude, page 56, accordingly, the majority of the panel, and it is the majority, interestingly, sort of, finds that no other conclusion is possible than determining that the charges based on alleged disguised equity funding by Sheikh Mansour and or Ajib through Etisalat are time barred. And that's because the Etisalat breaches were all alleged to be in the year ended May 2013 and for the monitoring period 2013-2014. If you read paragraph 196, you, you see that set out. Okay, so that closes off for the purposes of this document, for the purposes of this case, that closes off the Etisalat issue. It's not saying that they did or they didn't. It says that they are alleged breaches it's not concluding, as far as I can see. Somebody might embarrass me and say, well, actually, they did conclude it, but they said it was time barred. But as far as I can see, they remained alleged breaches and they were not considered uh, because they were time barred. Yeah, so just to well, be clear, therefore, just to be clear, they've not, but CAS have not looked at those issues and they're saying they're time barred. Correct. Yeah. So they're saying that they do not draw a conclusion on the Etisalat matters because they don't have to. Yep. Now, that kind of approach is sometimes uh, taken uh, by courts or arbitrators where it closes down routes for appeal if they, uh, if they give a factual finding on certain points, because what it means is very hard for the party to overturn it. By leaving it a moot point, if, let's say, and I don't think this is going to happen, but let's say... Uh, UEFA appeal this decision and at appeal, uh, the appeal found that actually uh, they disagreed with CAS and that the uh, limitation period goes 10 years, let's say, just for the sake of discussion. Yeah. What, what, they, what they therefore will be saying is that the Etisala matters have not been decided. They've not been given, there's no view on them. Yeah. So nobody... So City can't say, well, hang on a minute, even if even if you're right about, the, even if the limitation period is 10 years, that CAS has found in City's favour. It hasn't, but nor has it found in UEFA's favour. So uh, there is a potential opening still there in respect of Etisala. And that, I think that feeds um, in as well, doesn't it, to the, um, I think the initial narrative that was peddled by a lot of the wider media, which we saw post the, the publishing of the decision, which was, you know, I think we both heard it and everyone will have on plenty of podcasts saying, oh, we need to see how many of the issues are not established, unsubstantiated, or how many are time-barred. And obviously in respect of Etis Salat, the cast are saying it's time-barred. But yeah, it was, it was, um, there was a possibility that it could be both. Um, 
there was a possibility that they could have uh, found that Etisalat were not alleged breaches, but were breaches, but that City were saved by the time barring. It was a very small possibility, but some some of the pieces had hoped that it would say that just to give uh, some kind of victory in some ways to UEFA that people could have said, ah, you see, you did breach. Um, uh, it's just that you got saved by the technicality of time barring. Um, not that I would accept this technicality, but 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 some people had hoped that that was the case. I think this this is pretty clear that it makes no judgment because they are time barred. Yeah, and I think the only other point I'd make on that, um, it's already been made, but I think it, it's worth making again, which is, you know, this is Article 37 which is UEFA's own CFCB procedural rules. So they, you know, um, we've made this point on previous podcasts, but they are aware of these rules and, you know, they're in place, you know, as much, you know, at least in theory to protect them as they are to, um, to well, put, kind of save and protect City in this case. So I think that's an important thing. Yeah, to that, that, look, all this is another one of those misnomers, you know, that you get that the Premier League has no statute of limitation. So you can just go about any number of years. I mean, it's just not right. You know, there's every territory, uh, every legal system has some form of limitation. Um, and, and, you know, some of it applies to criminal stuff. Some of it doesn't. Some of it applies just to civil Um in the UK, the standard limitation period is six years. Yeah, uh, I assume that this five-year period comes from the Swiss law. Uh, five years is a reasonable time after which people should be allowed to get on with life. Now, the only usual exceptions to that are scenarios of fraud. Um, and actually, what's interesting is, uh, and they didn't argue it this way, but... Um, it's not that unusual that sometimes you find that cases of dishonesty, deceit and everything else smash through Overreach, yeah. uh, limitation periods. Um, but it's not, it, it doesn't look like that was one of the arguments. Anyway, so moving on to Let's 198, on. what that means in, in simple terms is, the, and then you read the, the last sentence of, of 198, the above analysis has as a consequence that UEFA is barred from prosecuting City for the payments received in the season 2013-2013, uh, but the alleged wrongdoing of MCFC with respect to the payments from Etihad in the subsequent seasons may be prosecuted. And then we go on. Standard of proof uh, we we've covered. About yep. um, and then we get into the nub of it, the substantive stuff. Number five. So did City disguise... So we're now at the, the bottom of page 57. Two, paragraph 209, bottom of page 57. Did MCFC disguise equity funding as sponsorship contributions? It then helpfully reproduces all of the emails, which is quite unusual. Not seen that very often in a, yeah, a CAS judgment. Um, interesting to compare and contrast versus what was published. Uh, which is how we've been able to look at the difference between leak four and the original, uh, although there are uh, still very substantial redactions um, within, within within this one, email. yeah. Um, which uh, which I, I guess there always was. Uh, just to explain what what Der Spiegel did, if you look at page sixty two, they effectively deleted all of the black redaction, drew a line. 
pulled it. Yeah. Um, and underlined, um, underlined from it is important in blue, which then relates back up to the uh, the email from Simon Pierce because he says, "I've inserted answers and comments in blue against your email below." So that's how you read that. Yeah. Okay. So the sentence. Uh, so on page 62, the sentence starting, it is important, is the one drafted by Simon Pierce. Um, I don't think it goes to anything, but just so people understand exactly how that fits together. Yeah. Um, so, how do we do this? So if you look at uh, the breaches are serious, let's just take that as red. Um, the evidentiary value of the leaked emails. Um like I think the bottom line is that they they accepted that there was some value um, in in the leaked emails, mm. um, and I, I and I think ultimately City accepted that. Uh, there's some slightly odd language in the bottom of uh, page sixty four to paragraph two one three. Uh, following the publication of the articles, blah, blah blah, the panel finds that UEFA was basically left with no other option. Very strange language for a, for a judgment of this nature. Yeah, a bit Basically political. Left with no other <laughs> option, um, but to commence an investigation, um, uh, because the panel agrees that the leaked emails provide prima facie evidence of potential rule breaches, um, and that therefore City had a case to answer. Uh, what's interesting is that City uh, are said to accept that UEFA had a proper basis, proper basis. for commencing yeah. an investigation. Now, I think that's to be distinguished from um, a proper basis for finding against them, because I think it's pretty clear from things that City have said publicly that they don't accept that there was a proper basis for uh, the adjudicatory chamber finding against them, but they do accept that there was a proper basis for asking the questions. Inevitable question that you get from that is if City do accept that there was a proper basis for commencing an investigation, well, then surely on that basis, you are bound to, to cooperate with that investigation. Um, and I think, you know, they will, they will see that as a um, as something that, that was uh, a kind of um, incendiary, um, an inflammatory act by City in terms of their conduct in the case, uh, that, that sort of contrast. Um but really, this is the nub of it from here. Um, so here, so so the nub of it really comes in now at paragraph uh, two one five, um, and um, UEFA tried to argue that in the absence of uh, any evidence produced by the club, the leaked emails are direct evidence that the arrangements were made and implemented. Now. I mean, it's no surprise that the, the panel does not agree with that statement. You know, that is like saying, uh, if I put something in an email discussing a potential transaction, that that transaction later occurred as described in the email. I mean, it's just, if that was the case, there would be no point in, in ever having documents uh legally legal contracts uh just discussing something in an email would be effectively the, the game over papering, yeah. <laughs> the papering of the arrangement so it just can't be true uh, and it's a very odd 
stance uh, and a slightly desperate stance in many ways for uh, for UEFA to take. The reality is that they're nothing more than 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 they're stated to be, and that is leaked emails showing some evidence of some discussions and intentions around yeah. some arrangements. It may or may not have been intentions. It may or may not have been things that were taken forward. Um, they may have been ideas. They may have been more than that. Uh, but it's not enough. And, it, and it's not a surprise that, that Cass effectively found, in simple terms, it's just not enough. Um, exactly. And ultimately, to make the point, that's why... I mean, that is literally why you have heads of terms, why you have agreements, why you have these kind of things to sign it off. Yeah. Uh, and, and look, we, we then come on to the 216 that we talked about before, which is, uh, you know, the arrangements discussed must be rooted in contemporaneous accounting or transactional evidence. And, and you know, really, that that is that you cannot have a case of this uh, with, with these sorts of allegations and then not be able to support it with reference to the documents, the contemporaneous documents and transactional evidence. And that is contracts, flows of money within banks, uh, and the sorts of other things that are looked at by auditors. And that's ultimately where, uh, where, where they got to. Now, what then happens is City then supplement um, the, their um, case with which Witness evidence. Yeah, let's just now, run through that quickly. The problem with witness evidence. So the problem with witness evidence is that in in a court in the UK, anybody that's that watched any of the um, P, PCP uh, Amanda Staveley versus Barclays case that was that was on Skype uh, will have got a good indication of what it's like in in the High Court. Uh, this is not the High Court, but. Uh, in in those sorts of environments, people get cross-examined, and people and impressions are taken of of witnesses, um, and and the truth of their witness evidence, and QCs are able to cross-examine, and by cross-examine they're able to look at the written statement that's been made, and then test it and ask questions about it and see whether it matches, and have a look at the documentary evidence and say, well, hang on a minute, you wrote here that you saw that document saying that uh, something was 100 million, but actually the document uh, that I'm showing you now says that it was 10 million. And you can start to discredit a witness and start to uh, undermine um, the, um, the, the reliability of the evidence that's been given to the court. Now, I don't think that there was any cross-examination at the hearing. I think if you look at the number of people who were present yeah. um, in giving evidence, I think what probably happened was that there was witness statements that were drafted in writing, and then the panel themselves were able to answer questions of the witnesses, as opposed to cross-examination. It certainly says that uh, at the adjudicatory chamber, City declined the opportunity to effectively put Pierce and Andrew Widdison up as yeah. as witnesses and allow them to be cross-examined by Mark Phillips QC, who was acting for UEFA. So City uh, were very reluctant to allow the cross-examination that could have uh, highlighted some uh, reliability issues for some of their witnesses. 
as it was, the key is that in the absence of being able to undermine the reliability of the witnesses, and City had a number of them, and, and some of them very senior executives, their evidence has to be preferred uh, to to an absence of evidence. And in many ways, they have to be believed. Yeah. And that's why in paragraph 221, um, uh, so Pierce is asked, uh, presumably by the panel, have you ever arranged any payments to be made to Etihad in relation to sponsorship obligations of Manchester City? Mr. Pierce answered, absolutely, categorically not. Mr. Pierce did not strike the panel as being an unreliable witness, and indeed upholding the allegations would necessarily require a finding that his testimony was false. In simple terms, it had no basis to say that what Pierce was saying was untrue. And if it can't say it's untrue, then it must believe it to be true in the absence of evidence presented by UEFA. Mm. They had no evidence. Yeah. And therefore... Well, they had the emails, but yeah. They had to... They, they, well, beyond the email. Yeah. But, but in the absence of anything else, they have to believe Pierce. This is the problem with Cass in, in trying to prosecute complex matters of fraud. And I always said that the sorts of allegations that were being made here, if they were to be made in the High Court, would take many, many weeks of detailed forensic examination and cross-examination. You know, the PCP example is a perfect example with Amanda Staveley because that, that, that trial's still going on. I mean, it's been going on now for probably six weeks. Every day, cross-examination of witnesses. Who is to be believed in front of the judge before he makes a judgment that, that probably takes something like six to nine months to come out? So this was not the forum to be making these allegations unless... UEFA had very clear evidence, mm. and it's apparent that it did not. On top of that, there were a number of other, um, a number of other uh, high-profile um, uh, witnesses. Um, we Hogan. get some evaluation of the actual um, of the actual case. I think, importantly, in relation to the case, um, two, three, four is key. There is no evidence to support the conclusion that the payment of the amount of almost £60 million was funded as alleged by UEFA. It says that the connection between the email and the payments is insufficient to conclude that the only reasonable explanation, and therefore the inference that UEFA are trying to make, is that the payment came from two different sources. Adog and Etihad. That is not sufficient. There's n there's no evidence to to make that jump that the payment did not just come from Etihad. Yeah. And and then they say to suggest to suggest the sequence of two payments is demonstrative would necessarily require the finding that Mr. Hogan and Pierce were lying. And Mr. Hogan, just they to clarify, is the president and CEO of Etihad. Yeah, yeah. And they, they go on to say uh, later on, I mean, I, I won't be able to find it that quickly, but they, they go on to say, look, if you, to, to, to draw that conclusion, we would effectively have to say that these individuals were, um, were uh, criminal yeah. and had perjured themselves in front of us. So, you know, that's a big leap. And, and in essence, Cass was saying, 
on the weight of all of the evidence that we've been given, and it details it all there in page 71, 72, extracts from letters, we have no basis for finding in line with UEFA's case. And paragraph 255 is, is, is important. UEFA's theory would also mean that not only City lied to the FA and UEFA, but also accountancy firms such as BDO, Deloitte, Ernst & Young and Alex Partners that all examined accounts of one or more of the entities and all were misled. The panel finds that such allegations are not warranted based on the evidence presented. I mean, these are strong statements. Yeah, that's a key. Rebutting, that's yeah, a key paragraph, in, isn't it? Key paragraph. Exactly. In rebutting the allegations that are made. Yeah, indeed. So, I mean, from there, really, um, I mean, it, it then deals with the actual accounting evidence. Um, but really, then the last, I mean, I think the last thing we could just very quickly talk about before we need to wrap up and just to have a quick, very quick discussion of the media is obviously if we pull down to the conclusion, which is at 289, which kind of brings together all of all of kind of um, Cass's overall thoughts and et cetera on the matter. And also quite helpfully at 291, there's a little um, diagram <laughs> which shows kind of the relationship between Etihad and um, Sheikh Mansour, City, et cetera. Um, but yeah, Stefan, do, do you want to just talk to me very quickly? Well, it's the worst diagram in the world. I mean, I'm not, not actually well, sure. Well, you can't actually see Ada, can you? <laughs> well, I, well, I'm not actually sure what, what to conclude from, the, from. I mean, it's just, it, it's completely superfluous to the, to the case. I mean, just before we do, paragraph 288 is important in terms of summing up the section that goes before it. Ah, yeah. Which is about adverse inferences can be drawn from City's failure to produce evidence. I mean, this is important. Although that they, although UEFA felt uh, sorry, although Cass felt that it was important that City had not provided all the evidence, they did not conclude um, that that it was strong enough that you could uh, draw adverse inferences. And, and by that, it's the it's the it, just to try and give it a kind of real world um, a, a real world um, perspective. Um, if if somebody doesn't come and give evidence where they're clearly involved in something or a, a criminal, uh, somebody accused of a crime doesn't answer any questions, you can make adverse inferences in terms of what they're hiding, effectively. Yeah, in criminal proceedings. Um, but also in civil. Yeah. But you know, people- so you can... So, so in civil proceedings in the UK as well, you can make adverse inferences from what people don't say. Uh, or won't provide or won't answer um, but but what's interesting and important here is that the panel did not believe that you could jump uh, you, you, you could jump that and that's quite important because once you've once you've established that uh, UEFA are relying only upon emails um, without having information about the completed acts that match the emails at that point, you really need the adverse inferences to get you over the line. Yeah, exactly. And they didn't have it. And they didn't have it. And they didn't have the evidence as well. Um, okay, so last few questions then. Um, if we pull back round before I kind of ask for your just overall reflections given, you know, I think we both, I think we can agree it's probably unlikely that UA for appeal from here and this is the end of the road. Um, for this case anyway. Um, 
just to kind of, I mean, we've referenced it at the beginning, just to talk about kind of some of the media coverage. Um, you know, I think the key guys have been the key guys all the way through. And that's, you know, your likes of Rob Harris and Tarek Panja of the New York Times and um, found Sporting Intel's tweets quite uh, entertaining yesterday, kind of going paragraph by paragraph through um, the judgment as he kind of reads it. Um yeah, I mean, I, I think one thing I really want you to just kind of talk to me about because you have tweeted about it, but I think it's worth discussing, which is kind of what David Conn's kind of uh, fixated upon, which is um, around Santos, Rui Santos, the um, the third um, arbitrator on the panel, and how his recommend well his recommendation in speech marks um, by City is is kind of somewhat extraordinary. Well, it's just a classic non-point. I mean, yeah. you know, and it and it and it um, it belies the the true the true intent of of the article that's been that's being written. I think. I mean, it's not extraordinary at all. First of all, City did not um, did did not recommend in that in that language that he uses. Did not recommend anybody. They suggested somebody. It's perfectly normal that in an arbitration, one party will suggest. Uh, the arbitrator um, or the mediator. I mean, you know, there's lots of things to arrange. You've got to find some common ground to actually have the have the arbitration. Somebody has to be the chair. Um, City suggested uh, this guy, uh, the Portuguese guy, and uh, and UEFA said, yeah, sounds fine. Now, if UEFA had objected, then it would have been somebody else. Yeah. You know, it's really nothing more than that. Um, so to try and kind of give give a view that there's some kind of conspiracy, I think, is unnecessary uh, and uh, is a silly point. And, and to, you know, there is an inference. The, the natural reading of that article must be that there's an inference of something underhand going on. And it's, there's just no basis for that whatsoever. Yeah, it's a quite extraordinary take to use uh, David Conn's language. I mean, he, he'd probably say it's just a throwaway comment. You know, it's not really important. But I don't believe that that's the way it's read by people. So I think the other, the, the other thing know, that's, point that's worth making, actually, as well, is if you go on the article, it's the second bullet point in the header at the top of the article. So, you know, it's... <laughs> yeah, well, we know, we know they always say they don't like the headlines. It's always the big shield that, that everybody has. Of course, but you know, I think to kind of draw someone's to draw the reader's attention to it like that kind of does give inferences and does suggest one way yeah, or the other because it gives an air of suspicion and oh, that's a, you know, ooh, who do they pay to? Who do they pay to get to get that guy as the chair? You know, it's just nonsense. Indeed. Um, any any other? I mean, just to be clear, right? I mean, this is an important point. We said before Cass, Cass is credible. If we lose at Cass, we've probably got nowhere to go. That's what we said. That works the other way around as well. We can't now have a scenario where everybody's going, oh, Cass is not credible. Cass is credible. And you might not like the result. You may disagree with it, but Cass is credible. Unless you're Mr. Tebas, yeah. Agreed. Um, Anyone else's... Kind of takes or uh, things you want to just quickly discuss? No, I think it, it goes back to what I've always said about this sort of situation. It's it's a very complicated situation. 
in terms of uh, especially what it's been turned into um and it, you know and in some in some ways um the way in which the case has played out plays plays into the narrative around Abu Dhabi uh Etihad Adug the royal family the way these things are funded uh you know you only have to look at the fact that there's a little bit of lack of clarity over who some of these individuals are there's you know Mr Z of Adug mm. well why why don't we have his name you know what what's the what is the reluctance to just put his full name in like a, you know, like a normal person? Um, why, why are some names redacted uh, elsewhere? Why, uh, why and how uh, is it possible that City can get a who's who of senior executives from a number of companies to put witness statements in uh, for a third party, an alleged third party? Um, you know, uh, why are why is um the legal advisor to the Abu Dhabi Department of Finance a witness called by City? Um, why is the senior vice president in contracts and administration of Etisalat? Well, I suppose that's fine, but you know, you you get my point. I mean, you know, there's well, I think that the other point is the other point as well is. The other point as well is these, I think what you've just raised there are valid questions and kind of things that you can look at or that I've looked at in the judgment and thought, yeah, they, you know, certain things here do look a bit shady. They might look a bit dodgy. And I'd have expected actually that the media would, instead of jumping on some of the things that say David Conn has or Nick Harris has around the, whether or not the um, fixated on the Etihad deal and whether it is or isn't fair value when it's clearly not disputed by UEFA that it isn't I didn't thought that these would have maybe been the kind of things that would have uh, would have sparked the ears but it's, that's clearly not been the well, case well I mean I, yeah and, and I, look, I think there's a very good example which is who is HH in some of these emails or his highness and, and you know ultimately uh, there's been some debate from various people as to uh who, who is His Highness as referred to in Simon Pierce's email? And Simon Pierce was specifically asked the question, and, and it was UEFA's case theory that that was Sheikh Mansour. Now, um, he denies that, doesn't he? Simon Pierce, Simon Pierce, as a witness, says very clearly that it is not His Highness Sheikh Mansour, uh, but rather His Highness, uh, I, haven't, I haven't got the reference to it, but uh, another. Uh, a, a, another uh, senior royal who um, uh, runs another division um, within within the the whole piece. So it's uh, His Highness Sheikh Sultan bin Tahun Al Nayan. Apologies for my pronunciation. Um, the chairman of Adta at the time, and that's in paragraph ten a. Yeah, it's not very. Uh, I'm I'm not I'm not convinced by that. By yeah, that. agreed. Agreed. That is it is interesting. Um, but yeah, I mean that that's the thing. I kind of thought that these might be the kind of things that would be picked up on. 
Um, but I suppose at least, I mean, everyone in a way does have the caveat that we do and that this is, we're talking less than 24 hours here um, since it's been released. But I do think the fixation on some of the things that have been fixated on is just a, just a particularly, particularly silly. Well, I, I mean, I saw one particular one, which I thought was, was hilarious, which is um, the... There was some reference to something being a theoretical possibility. Oh yeah, I know so, the one you mean. So, yes. so, 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 Cass said something like, "We can't rule out. We can't absolutely rule out the theoretical possibility of X, Y, and Z." It's such a meaningless statement to 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 to, to, to say, "Ah, there's my gotcha." Yeah. <laughs> is 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 hilarious I mean there's almost nothing that is not a theoretical possibility yeah well I mean pigs flying potentially <laughs> you know there's so many things in theory in theory in the right situation with the right conditions pigs could fly I can't, can't rule absolutely it out. rule it out last last thing I mean just quickly I mean we've kind of gone through gone through everything there um you've dropped in your uh kind of opinion on certain things um what are your kind of overall reflections now that we are just very quickly kind of at the end and like we say we do think that this is likely to be the end Cass is credible a swiss appeal court is unlikely to hear this i think um yeah how how, how are you feeling now well well i think before we before we close on that, we do have to say that the, the language used by the panel is pretty strong in terms of cities' lack of cooperation. And um, I think it's interesting in two aspects. One, that the majority obviously flipped round in terms of uh, it, its view. So it was also not a unanimous view on the non-cooperation. Um, so although they do, they were found not to cooperate Two on the, yeah. and the... It was a two-one uh, point on that, uh, but the language that's used is pretty strong, and you know you can't shy away from it in terms of um, what this says about cities' obstruction and non-cooperation, yeah. uh, and and how it was seriously perceived uh, within within the situation. I mean, likewise, it is interesting that there is some contemplation that had city cooperated. That maybe we wouldn't be here. Yeah, uh, we wouldn't be here at all. Now, you know, we'll never know. But um, uh, they didn't, and they paid a hefty price because I do think that ten million euros is not insignificant. I do think it's a uh, it is a strong deterrent. Uh, I do think that once uh, UEFA pushed on that point, they were always bound to win because of the drafting of the particular article, as I've said before. Um, but we shouldn't shy away from it. I mean, the you know the, these are strong findings against the club in respect of the non-cooperation. People might be relaxed about it, um, but it's there. You know, you can't change. You can't change it. It's there, and. Uh, uh, you know, we have to take the rough with the smooth, and if we if we are saying that we accept Cass's view on on the positive stuff, you have to accept it on the negative stuff too. Um, now, where where does this end up? Uh, my personal view is that uh, neither party will appeal, so I, I still keep seeing 
people talking about City potentially appealing the fine. I think there is zero chance of that happening. Um, oh, no, no, you know what it is? There's a theoretical possibility uh, that City appeal. Um, can't dismiss, can't rule out the theoretical possibility that City appeal. Well, there's a theoretical possibility um, that UEFA win in Swiss court, right? There is a theoretical possibility of that, yes. I don't believe it will happen. I don't believe that they will pursue it. Um, I I don't believe that the FA will pursue it. Now, just so to understand what... This is not necessarily the end of the road for these matters in respect of the FA. Theoretically, the FA could now say, uh, OK, we've seen what Cass has said. Uh, we are now... Having a go ourselves um, in respect of either the same or different things, uh, they may think that their merits are good. They may think their merits are bad. They may be under pressure, um, and we're going to do it in a different way. We are going to run it akin to a big trial, and uh, we'll see what happens. Yeah, exactly. Um- I think, Stefan, I think just just because I'm <clears throat> I think it's unlikely. Yeah. Yeah, I think it is unlikely. Um I think, yeah, like you say, the, the only other thing, and I think you picked this out in one of your tweets, I'll just mention this very quickly before we'll just get your like sixty second reflections, is um it is set out that City I think it's at the beginning, isn't it, that City have filed a complaint with what is essentially UEFA's ethics disciplinary board regarding the leaks uh, by the IC and that hasn't been um, finalised yet so there, we might hear something on that front but that's a UEFA City issue yeah I suspect it won't go yeah no no I, I agree but it's just I, it's just something that um, it's, it's in there, in there. Yeah, exactly in there. Um, okay so I mean conscious of time 60 second reflections do you still feel I mean, I take it you still feel that this was a risk, particularly given it was 2-1? I think it was a very big risk. I mean, I, I don't I don't think... Uh, well, look, I say it's a very big risk, but, but likewise, there was, no, there was no real evidence beyond the leaked emails. I mean, you know, we can, we can dance around it, but the reality is UEFA could only really win on very, on very, very serious allegations... Uh, based on those emails, I mean, it's it, w- it was very unlikely that you, that they that they could succeed um, in that way. I think really um, it was a risk more because this is very dirty laundry. These are very very serious allegations. The consequences of losing were enormous, and you can really see that when it's played out here, especially when you see reference to the FA as well as reference to UEFA um, and also to false accounting. The, the, the stakes were incredibly high and therefore I just don't see that, that it was necessarily a, uh, a, a, good, uh, a good gamble, if you want to call it that. Uh, but I can understand that they will have looked at it and gone, how on earth can UEFA hope to make out these claims based only on the emails? So... I think that's probably why they were very, very confident. Yeah, exactly. Um, great. Well, thank you, Stefan. Um, I. I mean, there's one. Know- there is one other. Just one final thing. Just one. One more thing. Apple style. 
you have to ask yourself why UEFA set their own case so high. Why did they? Why didn't they go for a more pragmatic, more winnable case on these points, rather than going all in on false accounting, deceit, all of the very very colourful and very serious allegations? If they'd have set their target a little bit lower. They may have they may have come through. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um and just to say, just before we wrap up, you I'm not putting you on the spot here, but you are um hoping to do a more kind of longer read analysis of this when because when you've had a bit more when we've all had a bit more time to digest it. Is that, is that the case? Uh, probably being writing. Probably yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, longer a longer read. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Cool. Thank you, Stefan. Cheers. Nice one. Um, thanks for everyone for sticking with us this long. I know it's bizarre, uh, kind of pouring over a 93-page document and me and Stefan have stepped on each each other's toes a little, but I think you'll forgive us. Um, like I say, it's it, it's a massive it's a massive doc, and um, we are we are still very close since um, it's released. But thanks as always. Um, keep your eyes out for new podcasts. As always, there'll be lots of the content coming, and as a some would say, up the blues. <laughs>